Welcome. This is Jessica Ortner, and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment, because happiness is not a destination. It's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode. We live in a hectic world. I don't need to tell you this. When it comes to social media and emails and responsibilities, there's so much input happening in our lives. There's so much to look at, so much information. And with all this information, we can still find ourselves in a place where we feel like we're lacking clarity in our life. Are you in a position or have you been in a position where You know you're not happy, but you're not quite sure what you want yet. Or maybe you know you want to make this change, but you don't know what it looks like. You don't know what the next step is. Today's episode is all about finding clarity in your life around setting intentions and spending time with yourself through journaling to get the answers that you're looking for. To lead the way, we are speaking to Yannick Silver. He is so much fun. I know him from uh, an amazing impact he's done with Maverick 1000, which is this organization that just brings incredible visionaries and influencers together to make the world a better place. This is a man who rubs shoulders with some of the most successful people in the world, and he teaches them how to connect their mind with their heart. So they're not just being successful, but they're also making a positive difference in this world, and they're having fun, and they're having a good time. There's a lot that we all can learn from Yannick, no matter where we are when it comes to our career or how we define success. We all are successful in our own ways. We all are here to connect our minds and our hearts so we can do good and feel good, and that's what we'll be doing today. A reminder that this episode is sponsored by the Tapping Solution app. Have you downloaded the app yet? What are you waiting for? You're on your phone right now, probably. Just go to the App Store or Google Play if you have an Android. Download the Tapping Solution app. It's completely free. And right when you download it, you can choose from many free tapping meditations. One of my my current favorite is Boost of Happiness. So you want to feel good. You need a little boost. You spend a few minutes. Uh, it's my brother, Nick, leading it. It's awesome. Another one of my favorites that I use a lot that's free is tapping to release anxiety, feeling stressed or overwhelmed. Take a few minutes, tap on these acupressure points, and you will feel an incredible shift. So the Tapping Solution app, check it out and enjoy the show. Yannick, thanks for being with us. You're welcome, Jess. Super excited. I am too. You know, I was thinking about the first time I met you, and I think it was back in 2010 or 2011. It was a very long time ago. And I remember my first impression when I first met you, I was like, who is this guy who obviously loves adventure? Is <laughs> like, he's an entrepreneur, but he's like so much more. It's like, I was so interested in learning more about you because you you live this life that's big and out loud and also you care about helping other people. So I want to just take a moment. If, if someone is at a party and they're like, Yannick, what do you do? How do you describe that? Because if they asked me 
I wouldn't be able to describe it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of I really don't love that question. Actually. I don't mean either. It's funny because I was at a party the other night and literally like the second thing this guy says to me as we're sitting at the dinner table is, so what do you do? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, like we need a better question. Like I, I always love like, you know, what are you what are you excited by? What are you passionate about? I don't know. But like so if if, if I was going to kind of explain it in a nutshell, I I, at the highest level, I said I catalyze the catalyst and, and I, I look for how do you help these people that, you know, and, and my wife could tell you that I have like a whole litany of them. It's like instigate the instigators and, uh, and connect the connectors and so forth. But I really look at my role is to catalyze the catalyst, especially to bring them together, like people that have unique leverage and skill set and, and talent and, and networks. And how do you bring them together for for the highest good for their greatest work in the world. And then also the, the highest good on, on the planet. And that sounds a little, a little out there, but using it in a fun way, like using fun and play and adventure and experiences to, to bring them together in that way. So you're connecting leaders, people who might already be seen as successful in order to do more good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And accelerate what they're doing and, and support them, like helping them evolve and grow themselves and make an impact in the world and have some fun together. And and that impact is a big piece, like like connecting. I love these weird partnerships that happen and we bring together different nonprofit partners. And you and I were just talking about, you know, before we got on the line here about about the uh, the amazing work that you're going to have a chance to do. And I don't know if it's public, so I won't, I won't mention specifics yet, but but just, you know, that those kind of partnerships come together. And that's really exciting for me. But then how does it create an impact that that serves the world and also serves, you know, for me, my world as entrepreneurs that so serves them and serves their company? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I was, I can't share the details, so you're right. Yeah, yeah. But there, there is this uh, university that's interested in a study. But what I was telling you as well is that Nick and I had simply set the intention, like we really want more research around tapping. We want to get the data. We want to get the facts. We want to be able, I mean, we've already come so far. There's a lot of research. We've been able to get into the VA and, uh, and get a lot of opportunities, but we just know that there's so much more room for growth. And sometimes those goals are very hard to pursue because there's no clear plan on how to get a university to do a research. Like there's not many books about that, but we set an intention and then it's like these people came to us and we're still amazed by it. And I know that uh, I have a belief around how the universe and how the world works. And I, I truly believe that we set the intention and something magical happened to attract those people. I can't explain it, but I just see it happening over and over again. I know that that's the way that you look at your life. Can you tell us a little bit about how you see the world, the universe, and these kind of connections that we're making? Yeah, so that that's the magic word for me: intention, for sure. Mm -hmm. Intentionality. Um, it's like it. You, it it's. it's I, <laughs> I was just telling you before this that I'm writing an article, like 20 uh, predictions for the 2020s, and intentionality. Uh, I was going to call it intentionality is a new black because everything is like new black, but uh, you know, it's like the new mission statement to me. It's like we, for our company and anything I do personally, like I was just finishing up our 2020 vision for myself and, and I start with intention and it's like, okay, what is, what is the overriding kind of, where am I, where am I heading and, and what do I want to use as that North star? And, and so it's, it, you know, for me, it's, it's catalyzed the catalyst and then I, I call it playfully 
and and fullies in parentheses. So play full out and and do it playfully in, in service of of one is what I say. It's kind of my own personal intention for where I'm heading for 2020. Mm-hmm. And to me, intentionality it's it's like this. I don't know. It it just shows up. It, it allows the universe to maneuver and navigate in a way that can surprise you and and show up in like the very first page of the Cosmic Journal is uh, this page that says trust. And it says trust the universe has even more in store for you than you can imagine. And then it goes on from there, like trust your divine timing and trust your crazy ideas and trust your wings will grow when you leap and so forth. But it's it's like playing together with, with the universe by saying, okay, this is what, what I'm now going to set my course for. It used to be like my goal setting was, okay, I want to do X by this date or I want, you know, have this amount of money or whatever it was. And then I'm like, oh, I learned a better way. And it was, I want to have X amount or more by this time or sooner. And I'm like, okay, that, you know, that opens it up, uh, have more flexibility. But now it's really about just intentionality. And the reason for that is, do you find that just leaves more room for magic? It does leave more room for magic, but it also just hones me in on where, where I'm meant to be going. And it's like where... What, what connects you to what is that, that intention? If it, if it's, it helps me say yes to things and it helps me say no to things. Um, yeah. You know, the tricky thing about goals and I've gone through a very similar evolution of just first setting goals. And one of the things that I realized is that where we are right now, we only can see so much of the future and it's like every step that we take towards something, we gain more information. And I can't tell you how many goals I set that I realized I actually didn't want it after yes. I got closer yeah. or sometimes yeah. after I achieved it. Yeah. And there's something to be said about the intention because it gives you that flexibility of being like, I'm not going to focus on what I want. I'm moving in that. I'm just going to move on in the direction. Yeah. And then even the feeling of what that is and and how does that feel totally natural and in line with, with who you are at, at your highest expression of who you are. So it's it's like it's like, how do we, how do we get that alignment? So like when I work with entrepreneurs a lot now, especially because a lot of them are successful and they're looking at what's next, we we talk about aligning your head, your heart, your higher purpose. And that to me is that, that alignment creates intention. Tell me about this concept of the cosmic alarm clock. Cosmic alarm clock. I I love, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so I, I think of it as like this little voice that we all hear that goes off at, at different times. It's like, um, you know, my, my kids are a little bit older than, than your son, but my daughter, when she was young, I have an older son and then a younger daughter, and she really wanted a wiggly tooth. And, you know, she went to lose a tooth because her brother had, and, and she's actually more money motivated than her brother. <laughs> and she wanted, you know, the tooth fairy to, to give her some cash. And she's like, I want a wiggly tooth. And, and it's like, it happens in the right time. It's just like, you know, you can't, quite um make it happen whenever you want but but it but it happens and then like this cosmic alarm clock to me is like that little voice that says you know well maybe you know there's something more for you than probably what you're even doing right now and and it keeps getting louder and louder and you can either hit snooze on it or you can answer it and for me it was about 11 years ago and you know you uh when we originally met you knew me from the i think mostly from the online internet marketing digital marketing space yes and, you know, outside looking in, everything was great and perfect, making a lot of money, great family, re- great reputation in that space, which isn't that easy, as you know. And uh, but like just I asked myself a really simple question, which was, am I happy? And would I be happy doing what I'm doing for 10 more years? And and the real answer was no. And so that was like this cosmic alarm clock moment that, that went off. And I think you can have multiple ones, too. And, and it's like really learning how to listen to that 
that it, it's it's like kind of a whispering voice. It's never going to be a shouting. Though, though sometimes I think the universe continues to sort of bonk you on the head if you're not listening and you need to be moving in that in a different direction. Like it's going to either come in a form of maybe an, a health challenge, a, a financial challenge, a relationship challenge, and and it can get stronger and stronger based on on sort of the the bonk that you need. Yes, I I love that question. Would I be happy doing what I'm doing now in ten years? Yeah, ten and- years. Yeah. For many people, I'm sure the answer is no. I'm sure we get a mix. But for those who hear that and they say no, I think the next thought is just this sense of overwhelm. Because just because we know we're not happy where we are doesn't mean we necessarily know what would make us happy. There's this space in between when we're searching for clarity. So what are some of those things that you do when you know that you're not where you want to be, but you're not exactly sure where you do want to be? What do you do with that space in between? The journaling practice has been huge. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for years and years and, and then teaching others about journaling as well. Um, and, and the Cosmic Journal came about kind of as a, an end product of that way back later. But but originally, the, you know, the journaling is a, a really great way. It's been scientifically proven to make you happier because it, it creates a beginning, middle and end on one page. And, and so by writing it down and it, it's just a process of of getting insight from yourself. Like I really believe we have the answers, but we have to either ask the right questions or put ourselves in the right space to be able to, to open up like that. And, um, you know, lately about last six years or so, I've been a a daily meditator and that's really helped as well. It's like the more stillness you can bring to your life, the more mindfulness in some way, you're going to get these answers because there's so much noise and it's like the, the world is a noisier, noisier place and buying for our attention all the time, especially with our phones and our, you know, notifications and, and all these things going on. It's like, you need time to, to just sit with yourself and, and really dig into what is going to like make, you know, make, make you happy is one thing. It's like, I, I think even a higher level is, is, is joy because joy is, you could be unhappy, but still be doing something that brings you joy. Uh, joy is feeling like fully utilized and, and what I call effortless effort. Like how do you get to that spot where you're putting in what you're meant to be doing, um, in this next shift of, of, of the ages, really? I mean, we're, we're in a really interesting spot right now. 2020 to me equals perfect vision. And, and we're in a, you know, the world kind of needs us more than ever to step up. And if you're feeling that little, I don't know, that ping or that, that like, Sometimes it comes as frustration. Sometimes it comes as depression. Sometimes it comes as um, just unhappiness. And, and you don't even know exactly why. It, it, it's worth exploring. Yes. I think we're so used to getting instant gratification of just being able to Google a question and get an answer that we've lost this skill of being able to sit with a question. And I want to take a moment to talk about your journal or I got your journal as a gift and your journal is written by you. I've never seen anything like this. It's your handwriting with thoughts and questions and it's incredibly playful. And as I started to read it, I would just open it up to a random page and read before bed a few things. I mean, I get my own aha moment every night, but I think the biggest thing that this journal helped me with was give me permission to start journaling and to see what it can look like, you know, you have a lot of playful doodles in your (laughs) journal and questions. And there's something 
incredibly imperfect about your journal. Like it's, it's, it's like, you are not the most amazing artist this planet has ever seen, but you are incredibly talented. It's like, do you know what I'm, how I'm going with this? It's like, yeah, it's It's actually really funny because I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think of myself as most, incredible artist, but, but there's like this fun, yeah, so you said it right, playful and like whimsical. And, um, like as a kid, I wanted to be a professional hockey player and a cartoonist. And, and in my journal over the years, my, my sort of doodles have started coming back. And, and then, uh, in my, my last book, Evolved Enterprise, uh, like I was like, Oh, I think I'm done. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, no, I need to hand illustrate a bunch of these like points and examples and so forth. And, and as soon as I did that, like I had this burst of energy and I was up to like five 30 in the morning working on drawings. I'm like, ah, I, you know, I get it. It's That's like, what, yes. And I hope people don't take that, <laughs> that comment the wrong way. I, the point that I'm really trying to make is that your doodles with gave me permission to doodle. Because yeah. we have this idea that anytime, like we we shouldn't draw or doodle unless we can be a professional cartoonist or unless we can do something perfect. I think a lot of us doodled as kids, and we just haven't allowed ourselves to j- continue to do that. And I personally know that I used to doodle so much, and seeing these doodles just reminded me so much of how I used to kind of take notes and that playfulness and how journaling doesn't have to be this rigid thing where you you're supposed to have something completely formulated and perfect to say. Totally. And, and also like celebrating mistakes and, and, you know, being okay with whatever shows up on the page and, and yeah, giving yourself permission to, to do it imperfectly. And, um, so I, it started as a challenge, right. To myself where it was, um, I saw this art challenge going around and as a hundred day art challenge to create a, some sort of piece of art every single day. And I'm like, Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's a lot one time. And that's a lot. And you know, what the heck would I, would I produce? And, and then I'm like, you know, I really would love to do like a, a journal, a page, a journal page each day. And then I'm like, you know, but 108 is more meaningful to me, especially in like the yogic traditions. And I'm like, okay, so 108 and, uh, literally every single night, um, whatever it took for, uh, I would sometimes it was two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. I would just draw and it was for myself. I drew and then I, I would write a page, whatever came through. It'd either be like past journal entries. I'd want to commemorate and, and make more, uh, interesting, or it'd be, I, I would meditate and see what came through me. It's almost like channeling it. And, um, but I, but I had to do it every single night. And, and I, the first thing I did was I made 108 check boxes in the front of this little moleskin. And it was like my favorite thing to check off that, that little checkbox every single night. It, it felt so incredible. And it was literally just created for myself. I never, you know, in the back, back, back of my mind, I thought maybe I would publish it, but it wasn't really designed for that. I See, this is what happens when you follow your bliss. You know, you do something just because it feels good. And oftentimes it's those things that can lead to so much more than you could have imagined when you started. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's, this is the most inflow project I've ever done because, um, I would, I would take this little muscular around, right. Because, you know, I travel around a lot and I'm at different events or things that we do or whatever. And I showed a few friends and I'm like, wow, that's really, really interesting. And then I started using it myself as like an Oracle. You were mentioning, you know, opening it up each, each night. And so I would do it myself. Like I, I, you know, again, I literally wrote it for myself to what I call like re-remember your, your greatest destiny here. And it's, it's like, uh, this galactic instruction manual that you were missing. And, and so when I wrote it, then one of my friends was like, well, okay, well 
I see how excited you are. And you said your bliss. He actually has a company that uh, allows entrepreneurs to unlock their bliss. He's like, I'm going to invest a little bit to have uh, these special edition uh, journals created. Do you have a purple one or uh, a white cover one? A white cover one. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, I'll get you a purple one too, but we had these uh, special like vegetarian leather ones made and, and, and so it turned into like a real project and it was like the wildest project I've ever done because then I, I scanned in all the pages once I was done. And then I, I had like these little two inch by two inch squares on my island, on my kitchen island, like figuring out what the heck the order was. And then I had to uh, make the left hand prompt pages, you know, so to make them usable for other people as well, because it's not just my pages in there. There's there, there are ways to like instigate your own insights that happen from from uh, from what you land on, or you can go through it page by page. And both of those things, I, I actually finished at one eleven a.m. and it's like, wow, that's you know really really interesting. Like these magic synchronicities kept happening. Oh, so many things like that with this magic with with the journal. And and then one of my buddies like introduced me to Reed Tracy from Hay House. And we had breakfast together. I showed him the, you know, the little, uh, the version of that, the cosmic journal like that. And, and he's like, okay, this is really intriguing. And they fast tracked it for, for this year. Intriguing is the perfect word. I opened it up and I was like, I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and, yeah. and it, it complete. I was totally intrigued. And then I just found myself opening it up every night without the intention of doing so. You know, I didn't set out like I'm going to open it up to a yeah. random page, but I just found myself uh, doing it and and really enjoying it. Going back to this doodle, doodling, um, I, we don't really talk about doodling a lot in our adult life. Um, and I think we're missing out on something. I, I read a post on your Instagram where you talked about the what doodling does to our brain when we're trying to learn something. Can you share that with us? Yeah. It was actually funny because I, I had cited this example way back because anyone that knows me, like I literally will sit in meetings and I'll have pages of doodles. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, sometimes like I'd be running high end mastermind groups and, and I just tell people ahead of time, I'm like, I'm paying attention. Uh, and, and then I'll, my head will pop up with an idea and, and they're like, Oh, that's pretty good. And it's like, the doodling, I don't know, it's just a natural thing. And, and so many of us did it in classes, you know, through school. And, and it, it just looks like we're not paying attention, but it, it actually works in some way. It's almost like fidgeting, I think, is, is maybe why it works. Uh, like those little stupid fidget spinner things or whatever. But it, it's like a way of occupying a different part of our brain. And um, this, uh, this Harvard uh, scientist cited a bunch of examples. And one of them said something like you retain 29% more information from doodling. And so I love that step because then I'll, I'll just use that when, uh, whenever I'm, I'm in a meeting and, and tell people <laughs> when look over. And uh, I just showed you a quick like half page before we got on here. And, and my doodles are they're, they're pretty they're pretty funny. They'll have like one or two like little little keywords for the meeting. But then usually they're just they're just stuff. Yeah, we've we've gotten so attached to technology that I feel like people aren't using the pen and paper as much. And there, there has been so much research around taking notes, just pen to paper. I think journaling, there's, it's more powerful to be writing than to be typing up a journal. Wouldn't you say? That's absolutely correct because it has a different neural pathway from our, our, our hands to our, to our brain. And, um, it's, even especially if you're a good typer and you're like, Oh, it takes too long to write, or I can't read my own handwriting. Like you, it's even better for you. And, and it's just like, it's so powerful and, and it's really, really needed. 
it, it connects you to a different way. And then even more so, like I love different ways of, of journaling as well. So it's like so many people get stuck in, okay, what am I going to write? Or, or, you know, is somebody going to read this or what's going to happen? You know, it's really just for yourself. And, and if you feel weird about it, you can hide it somewhere or lock, put it in a little lockbox or something, but it's really for yourself and, and don't get too wrapped up into, you know, if your drawings are perfect or if you even have drawings in there, or, I mean, I do recommend using colors and drawing and having fun in there and, and really expressing yourself. But if I look back at my first journals, they're black and white and kind of, kind of boring. And then I slowly gave myself more and more permission to, to like experiment. And then one of the coolest things that I've just discovered recently, um, from a friend of mine, this guy named Bill Donius wrote a book called thought revolution. And he discovered it from, uh, this child psychologist where is using your non-dominant hand. And I don't know if you've come across that in the cosmic journal yet or not. There's a couple prompts that ask you to do it, but it's such a really, it's a fascinating process. Um, so you know, if, if you take a question and you answer it with, let's say your right hand, most of us are right-handed, and then you go back to that same question and answer again with your left hand, you're going to get a wiser, deeper insight that you couldn't imagine. No way. I never thought of that. It's, it's really, really cool. And, and, you know, again, it's like, you have to get rid of this spot that is like this inner critic that usually sits on our shoulder. It's like, Oh, you know, I feel like a kindergartner. I can't write or, or it feels so weird or this is dumb. But you do it and it's amazing. Like some of these journal entries in here started from my left hand. And, and that's how I got to uh, what, what did I would write again. And I don't think I have any actually printed in here that are from my left hand, aside from I recopied them with my right hand. But the insights are just incredible. So, for instance, when I was going through that time when I'm like, OK, I, you know, am I happy and would I be happy 10 years from now when I started Maverick? It before that, everything I, I kind of did was worked really, really well. There's like eight different project ideas that hit the seven figure mark in cumulative sales pretty, pretty quickly. And, and then that company, like we invested $400,000 in it. And my wife's like, so what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. There's something there. And, but I don't know what it is. And that moment in time when, when like I could easily have gone back to the digital marketing world and just gone back to what I was doing. I'm like, no, there's something here. So using my left hand, I wrote, the question was, what would uh, my 111-year-old self tell me? And, and with my left hand, I wrote, would light a thousand suns who each had the potential of lighting another thousand suns. And that really changed the trajectory of what we were doing and the intentionality of what we're doing, because then it became uh, not just about these adventure travel trips and so forth. It was about much more about exploring and helping these incredible leaders evolve and, and become sons who had the potential of lighting other sons. No, that's amazing. Uh, I think one of the biggest objections people have or frustrations they have around journaling is just finding the time to sit with their own thoughts and to do this work. You're definitely a very busy man. How do you fit it into your life? It's, it's you know, it just has to become a, a habit in some way, but I love experiments, right? So, you know, don't, don't listen to this and be, and, and the worst thing is like, you can, you can be like, Oh, I have to journal or, or yeah, I could just let it be good. Or, or like, and you start build, building up this guilt around it. Like mm -hmm. I love experiments because there's a beginning and an end. And, um, so I'll, I'll do these different experiments where, you know, no alcohol or no sugar or something else for, uh, I like 33 days. It's a specific number. It's beyond the month. And then you go back and you, you see like, you know, does it enhance my life or not? Um, I mean, you could do it for three weeks, you could do it for whatever, but then also give yourself a, a, a specific block of time. Like for me, I'll journal before bed because then I could process my day. Uh, some people like it in the morning. You can experiment with this too, but 
make it less haphazard when you do the experiment and say, okay, I'm going to do it, you know, before bed. And it doesn't have to be long. Like you can get a lot out of 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. Uh, it doesn't need to be this hour long, you know, just pushing yourself to, to, to go through things. And, and also like what you start writing is usually not what you're going to end up with. Like so, so many times I'm just, just getting yourself that act of moving your pen gets you into something else. And, and then it just starts flowing because we kind of have like a, this warm up period and, and just, you know, you, you can either find journal prompts, there's tons of them online, but I love good questions, but I, I don't always start with questions. Sometimes it's just like, what's, what's going on. And it's just, it's just a way of, uh, of just starting to, to, to chronicle that. And, and the more and more you do it, the more you're going to find these interesting connections too, because you can go back years and, and specific times in your life and, and go back. And like you said, you know, like when you were talking about like the goals that you had or you reached, you're like, ah, oh, I don't even, you know, necessarily know if I even wanted that. You can start seeing these patterns develop and it helps you draw more insight into yourself. It's so true. I did a five-year journal once that I completed all five years. So the way those work is you go to a certain day and you can see exactly what you were doing on that day for five years in a row. And my biggest insight was that I worry way too much about things that don't come true. Like just seeing it, I was like, wow, yeah, I'm constantly questioning and and worrying and I I could do with a, a little more faith. Now, that being said, I think sometimes the purpose of a journal is to let it out, let, you know, to process something for sure. But it was really amazing to see that like, oh, you know, these things that I was questioning and I worried never really happened. Mm -hmm. So if I have these questions now, can I just sit with not knowing instead of feeling like not knowing means that I have to worry? Yeah, what a great insight. Yeah. And now I've I've been kind I'm kind of like on and off with journaling like throughout my life and um I well two two thoughts one I have journals from 4th grade and let me tell you kids feel real emotions like I yeah. think as adults we get so disconnected with what it's like to be a kid and I read these journals and how emotionally sensitive I was and everything that I picked up and I I'm in awe and I feel like it's going to influence the way I am as a mom. I just have a lot more respect for kids and the depth of what they feel. So that's been cool. But the other thing is right now I'm back to journaling because being a mom, like this is my first year as a mom. And we were talking actually before we started recording how I went into motherhood really excited and also really nervous because I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't know how I would balance following my passion and being a mom and if I could feel fulfilled in both. And there was something about, there's no, you can read books, but nobody can tell you how to live your own life. I mean, no one lives your specific life and has your specific baby and your specific circumstance. And being able to journal has just been such a guide for me as I like navigate something that's so new. Yeah, it's a great yeah, it's a really, really wonderful way of getting it down. And then also you're going to give yourself that gift of looking back. Yeah. And it's so cool that you have those journals from when you were a kid. I, I only have one kind of more like, I don't know, a diary-ish. But it's so funny because I, I would like write, I, I would call my diary journal. I, I'd be like, hi, dude. Was it <laughs> And it was like oh when I was God. 15, it was like a period of like seven months from like 15 to 16. 
And it was really, it was really funny looking back. And most of it was like, my dad's annoying. My mom's annoying. Much, much harsher language than that. And yeah, like, um, like, oh. I have one. Nate Moore, if you're listening to this, I was in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote about this kid. Nate, who was like, I sat behind in a class and I just like was so traumatic about what a huge crush I had on him. So they are really fun to look back on. Um, And yeah, and like I said, I think like we we lose connection with ourselves. We forget. We forget. Sometimes we forget what we've gone through, too. And you read back and you go, wow, I got through that. I mean. You know, obviously yeah, I got yeah. through my crush with Nate Moore, but <laughs> I mean, some things from even a few years ago, you can look back and, and see like, wow, this is how I navigated that. And now I'm on the other end and it's not, it's not bothering me anymore. Sometimes you're going through something in your, your life and you're wondering, will it ever end? And, yep, yeah. and seeing the end in, on pages, uh, there's something really powerful about that. Absolutely. And, and also, I think that's a huge part of it. I think also like exploring, you know, play has been a big theme for our conversations, like exploring what lit you up before. It, it allows you to to go back as well and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I really love doing that. Why aren't I incorporating that into my world now in a different way? And and I, I really think I think one of the pages in the journal talks about like this, this continual spiral that we go on and we keep coming back to the things that we love but in a different way with different eyes and, and like more experience. So it's like, you know, me, the cartooning piece, right? Like coming back to that in some way. And it's like, Oh yeah, there, there was that part. And, and, and it gives you this just really great way of, uh, of reconnecting to, to your true essence. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about, let's focus a little more on play since you, okay. you brought it up. We can be playful within our journals, but I want to talk about p- just the concept of play in our lives. Like when we are thinking about our new year's resolution, I doubt many people are writing to be more playful. And I think that is a tragedy because it's such an important thing. Tell me about play and why, why and how it's something that you incorporate into your life. Yeah. So play is, um, I mean, if if you think about, there's actually a really great book by this guy named Stuart Brown, who the, the title is literally just play. And he talks about mammals and how mammals use play to to learn and to socialize and and really everything in their in their lives. And and play at the simplest level is just it just brings joy. Like there's nothing more joyful than than playing. And and I'm trying to find the page in the journal that there's a page that says basically that play is also called uh, recreation for a reason. And if you break down that word, you know, recreate it helps us recreate our, our, our world. And it's just like, uh, so the, the quote I wrote in there from Stuart Brown was the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. And, and I'm like, that's, that's really big, right? Like it's not just like, okay, we, we have to, we either work or play. Uh, I, I love the idea of like, how do you merge play with, with work? Like, how do you, how do you make the highest expression of what we want to put out into the world feels like play because it feels easy. Like I bet, you know, when you're doing your best work in the world, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. To be honest, it's, there's both sides. Like I love creating tapping meditations, but I, I struggle a little bit and like, you know what it is? It's starting is hard. And then when I get into the flow, it's play. Yeah. But it's, I have to be uncomfortable for a moment before it becomes fun. 
Yeah, and that's and that's fine. So that you know that sweet spot is is the play spot for you, and you know you have to get through the initial whatever feels like feels like work or, or uh, you know a little bit of drudgery or whatever it is that that uh, procrastinate not maybe not procrastination but that inter- interference of what it takes you to get to your best spot. But like play, you know, if I look at and, and this is also a great way for people to start tapping into what is what's their work to do. It's like what what gives you that joy? What what makes you when you are engaged and playful in doing something that that really serves uh, the greater good? What what does that look like? And like for me, I could just sit around all day and brainstorm ideas that have a greater impact for for companies and and how to bring in this multiple facets of impact. And I love that kind of stuff. And I love I don't know coming up with unique like fun like I don't know dinner games or something that bring people together in a unique way. Or I love uh, you know, actually this journaling is very playful for me. It's just like at our highest expression that that's where play is. Yeah. And plays yeah. to me, like it's very synonymous with love as well. Like what do we love to do? It's, it's very playful. And if what we love to do at the highest level is, is really what we're meant to be doing. Now that I'm reflecting on it all, you know, I've done, we have like this online event called the Tapping World Summit, which I love. And I've written two books and I've definitely had a lot of projects, but the one that's been the most fun has been the app. And I feel, and it's the one that's been the most successful or that I feel like it just continues Mm -hmm. to grow. And there's such a spirit behind it. Like every time I go on the app, I'm so proud of everything that I see that it makes me so excited to do more. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you're right. It's like the drudgery doesn't, it's normal, I think, for things to be a little uncomfortable when you care a lot. I think my challenge sometimes is I want things to be perfect. Like I want to do a good job that that can create like an initial hesitation and that can lead to procrastination. But when you get really in tune with the mission and bring in the fun, then momentum, gaining that momentum is so much easier. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, during that process of like things kind of going sideways and me figuring out what, what I was really doing, um, just dove into a lot of spiritual texts and one of them is the Bhagavad Gita and, and in there it talks about this, this notion of that we we're not entitled to the fruit of our labor, but we're only entitled to, to our labor essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, if you put your full heart and soul into something, that's the reward. And it's really hard for entrepreneurs, anyone that's achievement oriented to be like, okay, well, if this doesn't do X, Y, Z, then I'm not feeling good about it. But, but truly, if you could go back to like just being present in that moment when you're, you know, when you got through that initial stage of, of, uh, you know, whatever we called it, sludging along, and then you got into the spot where you, where you're putting out your, your work, like that's, that's the reward. Yes, it's putting out the it's putting out the work, not the feedback that you're going to get. But it, but it's so weird because the paradox is the feedback is typically even better when you put your full heart and soul into it. like this cosmic journal. Again, like it's I've gotten the most interesting feedback on it. Uh, I, I think it's going to end up being one of the most intriguing things that I don't know I become known for in some way. But I, that was never the intention of it. Right. Yeah. That's it's so interesting. So Yannick, there is a question. Actually, there's there's two questions that I like to ask new guests. Um, the first one, which I haven't asked for a while, but I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Um, if if someone 
knows you from middle school. What's something that like, well, no, the question is, what is something only someone who knew you in middle school would know about you? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I was a weird kid in middle school. I was a weird kid, I guess, all, all through growing up. I feel up. like who isn't a weird yeah, kid? I, I mean, <laughs> like embracing the weirdness. Um, let me think. All right. I, I have a funny story from middle school that might, that, that sort of sums me up in a way. Go for it. Um, so, you know how in some schools or times you'll get like little Valentine's sent to you. Mm-hmm. And, and so this one year they did um, daffodils and you would like send a daffodil to everyone. And I got one daffodil. And, and so, you know, people are getting like eight or seven or whatever. And I was also a bit of a class clown. And so instead of me being like, like sitting with this idea that I only got one daffodil, I basically made it a joke and and ate my daffodil. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so, uh, I I was playing, we had volleyball practice that, that afternoon in school. I was on the volleyball team and, uh, and I puked out yellow fluorescent (laughs) (laughs) daffodil puke at practice. That would probably be a good middle school story. A middle school story, yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone who had like a great middle school years, but I think it's interesting because I think some of like the quirkiness yeah. is really alive <laughs> during that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah that, that funny yeah, quirkiness. And by the way, I love, I, I just told this to someone yesterday because you know I started as a copywriter, so words are so important. And, and you know, we get this idea of weird, like has a negative connotation in some ways, but weird Actually, if you look it up, that it comes from the old English W-Y-R-D, and, and it actually means something like path of destiny. And oh. it's like the weird sisters from Shakespeare and, and so forth. Like, like, so like being weird, I'm, I'm like embracing even more of my weirdness. Yes. Uh, I definitely relate to that. So the next question is, what is something that happened in your life that at the time was horrible, but ended up becoming a really big blessing? A great question. I love, I love that because there's so many, it's like with an elevated view, everything to me become, becomes a blessing if we let it and we start looking for it in that way. And then it's like, we start opening up more and more to that as it, as we're in the middle of it. I think that, I mean, I'll go back to uh, the, you know, when I started Maverick originally it was this adventure travel kind of idea that I'm like, okay, what's going to make me happy. It's traveling around with awesome entrepreneurs and we do these amazing adventures and we'll have business sessions out in the middle of nowhere and we'll have a charity element and it all sounded great. And, you know, and then $400,000 in, you know, as I said, my wife's like, so what the hell are you doing? And my passion for the internet marketing, that whole publishing side was waning because I didn't care about that anymore. That wasn't where I felt really called to. So, you know, this part that I was so passionate about, I was like, what is going on? And I couldn't figure it out. So, by, but by not happening in the way that I imagined originally, it actually forced me to, to have a bigger why. And, and my bigger why was not to create an adventure travel company. It was, you know, what we say now is to change the way business is played. And, and that whole question about, you know, lighting a thousand suns and, and who had the potential of lighting another thousand suns, it really opened me up to a greater vision of, of what was possible. And I love, there's a page in the Cosmic Journal uh, of this Hindu deity, uh, Ganesh and Ganesh is that, that elephant looking, uh, guy mm-hmm. and Ganesh, a lot of people, if they know Ganesh, they know mostly as the remover of obstacles. Like we're, we're always like, okay, you know, get this obstacle out of the way so I can move forward with what I want to do. But he's also the placer of obstacles, which, which to me is so interesting. Like imagine if these obstacles are also placed 
in your path on purpose so that you can move over to what is your true destiny. Oh, I love that. What if they're placed on purpose so you can move towards your real destiny? Yeah. And I love what you said before that when you look at your life from that elevated view, everything becomes a blessing. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and it's like, you know, I were talking about this before we got on about, about what is the big wake up call that the world is experiencing right now. And as much as, you know, we're, we're not like, Oh, let's go celebrate all the pollution going on and the environmental issues and the, you know, you name it, economic issues and, and racial issues, you know, you can just go on and on with all these global issues going on. But those become blessings because it forces people to wake up and it forces us to, to be like, Oh, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to stand for that. This, and this is what my job is to do, or this is my place in this, in this new age. Yes. It's so true. Sometimes we just have to go so far in the wrong direction for enough people to course correct. But so then, but is it the wrong direction? Right. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like we obviously live in this polarity 3d dimensional spot now, which, which, you know, everything is like black or white or so forth, but we have that elevated view. It's like, huh, it's interesting. Like, was this set up in order to, to have that, you know, to, to show up in, in a greater way. And, and I don't know, it, it's all that, that part's really intriguing to me. It's like when you start looking at it from, from new eyes and, and, and then you quickly get to, okay, what's, what is the real, you know, why, why did this show up and what's the, what's the bigger reason why, what's the meaning and how do I, and, but, but also you can, you can bypass, right? Like you can not actually feel whatever's happening and be like, Oh, well, this is a great blessing because of this. But I feel like you, you need to feel into it fully, let it go through you, but then be like, okay, well, here's, here's what happened. Now what? Yes. Yeah. That's such a good point. It's, it's funny. Cause I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I'm, by the time this comes out, this tapping meditation will already be out, but I'm working on a tapping meditation for those who are just really feeling a heavy heart for what's going on in Australia. And I believe that we should feel grief. I mean, yeah. it is so tragic that to, to completely be like, Oh, our, our job is just to jump to the positive and be happy. I think it does a disservice. I think there's something powerful in grief. And so with that, how do we experience grief, but without despair, how do you, we grieve but still feel hope? How do we grieve but still choose to be that force for good? Like, it's not black and white. It's not just about feeling the good feelings. We're more complex than that. And the situations are more complex than that. Yeah, and I, I go back to you know people throughout history that have suffered great loss and, and how they've come out the other side. Like, uh, you know, there's a great book, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Yes, I love that book. And it's like, you know, you look at his world where he went through with the concentration camps and 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 the people that, that perished in there were usually the ones that have that didn't have a bigger reason why to to come out. And and he has a quote there from Nietzsche that says something like any man, you know, you can go through any any how, I think, if you have a big enough why. And I might be paraphrasing it slightly, but that's that's a general thing is, is like, if you have a big enough reason why you can go through anything. And so if our big enough reason why is we were sent here at this time, at this moment to really make a difference in the planet, whatever that is, doesn't have to be like, I'm the, you know, I, I can make a global difference, whatever it is in your 
in first it starts with you, then it's your community, your family, you know, your business, uh, however way that, that you have a voice or leverage, but whatever you're able to do and, and can do and stepping up, like that gives you a greater why I think, but, but you, you, I think you do yourself a disservice if you don't feel it fully first, but, but you have to release it as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's not black and white. It's like, we're going through these feelings. We're going through these obstacles and, you know, what we're doing here with the journal is helping us navigate that with more ease and more grace. I feel like with this interview, there's just so much food for thought. I think someone can probably just sit after this interview and journal. Uh, if they want a guide, they absolutely should check out your book, The Cosmic Journal. Yannick, where can people pick it up? Uh, any any uh, online bookseller uh, that they prefer at, at Hay House. Um I don't know if it's in bookstores, but, uh, but at cosmicjournal.com, we also have, uh, some cool stuff on there. Awesome. I really enjoyed this book. I really, this journal, really, it's like a journal book and I really enjoyed our interview. I feel like I could talk to you for two more hours. Um, you're always welcome on this show. Anytime you want to come on. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, that'd be fun. 